It is very encouraging to know that God's will is perfect and we can ask that his will would be done and trust that in the right time he's going to bring his kingdom. Today we're going to focus upon the Lord's instructions for us on how to pray found in Matthew chapter 6. And in the bulletin, there's also a bookmark that has some of the things that we'll mention today. You can follow along. You could potentially make notes on the bookmark if you'd like or use it in the future. Um, We did mention today that there are people with us that are in sorrow. And uh, I think this prayer also reminds us that we surrender to God's will. We trust him when we don't see clearly. And so let's pray as we begin the message today. Lord, we just calm our heart before you, knowing that you alone can give peace that surpasses all understanding. May your peace guard our hearts and our minds. May you transform us more into your likeness, that you're able to see the sorrow of the world and yet impart your love and your joy. Help us, Lord. We want to learn how to be more like you. We want to pray in a way that would honor you and to see answers to our prayers. And we pray that this day you would do a deeper work in our hearts, that we would reflect who you are to the lost and the hurting around us. We thank you for this time. Speak to our hearts and direct us for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I'm going to read through the passage to begin, and uh, this is found in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read from 1 to 15, and uh, follow along either in your Bible or on the screens as we read. Looks like you're going to have to help me. There we go. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will himself reward you openly. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. When you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. 
Verse 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So we're going to do two things as we uh, consider the purpose of prayer. We're going to talk about conditions to having answered prayer. And then we're going to talk about uh, the way or the example that we should pray. And of course, we remember that prayer is communicating and communion with God. The first song that we sang, right, as I walk in the coolness of the morning in the garden, right, that he is with us. And uh, it's not just us talking, but we're communion. We're experiencing communion with God. We're communicating with him and we're being strengthened as we have time with God. And sometimes people pray say that prayer is just talking to God. Well, it's more than just speaking, right? Because you can speak and not be heard. But we're speaking uh, to express ourselves to God and also to receive his encouragement. Um, biblical prayer should always be heard and it should lead us, leave us edified. Um, so let's talk if you have the bookmark, we're going to start with the conditions. Um, there's certain conditions that Jesus says in this passage. Um, there are sincerity, humility, simplicity, trust that a person must be forgiven. And as a believer, we must be willing to forgive. The first condition is sincerity, and it's found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Jesus says, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Then he says, but you, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. So he's drawing a contrast. Um, Sincerity is an antonym of hypocrisy. Hypocrisy basically means being two-faced. Right. You show yourself one way, but maybe your heart is different than that. And so uh, Jesus says, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. Uh, They like to pray to be seen by people. Uh, Jesus says we're to be sincere, knowing that God sees us. And it doesn't matter if other people see us when we're praying. That doesn't mean that there's not a place for public prayer. We know that uh, Solomon at the dedication of the temple They actually uh, built a platform, and as he dedicated the temple, he had a very wonderful prayer, but he was doing it before God, not to be seen by men. The next aspect is humility. He says, you shall not be like the hypocrites. Uh, They're praying, uh, standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets. It says that they may be seen by men. So they're being motivated by pride, and of course, uh, pride is the opposite of humility. Jesus says, Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Um, Jesus teaches us to pray to God as Father. And that also describes a relationship. And it reminds us that... As a child comes to a parent and 
expresses their need, right? There's a humbleness, there's a trust that the parrot will then in turn uh, provide for that need. And we come humbly before God, knowing that we don't have all the answers, we don't see everything perfectly, but we trust him that as we pray even in secret, he will see and he will answer and he will reward us. I think we need to work on this, right? To be humble in prayer, trusting God, and not just thinking that we can do everything in our own strength. The next aspect is simplicity. It says, uh, pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who sees in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So there's an aspect of praying in a simple way, right? Not being flamboyant about how you express yourself, but being willing to pray um, in a place where you're alone. And then in verse 7 it says, When you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Right? You've probably been around people, um, and maybe you've seen television programs where like monks in Nepal or somewhere, they have their mantras that they repeat time and time again. Or certain uh, types of churches, they have prayers that people just repeat time and time again. And I know I didn't grow up as a believer, but I saw movies where someone would be like in a Catholic school and they would get punished. And so what would they have to do? They'd have to say, you know, repeat 10 times Hail Mary and repeat 10 times Our Lord, or they have to write it on the board or something like that. Well, Jesus actually says, don't do that. He says, uh, don't use vain repetitions, meaning empty things that you're repeating as the unbelievers do. They think that they're going to be heard for their many words. So that speaks of the simplicity. Um, we know that um, many times a short prayer is an effective prayer, right? Uh, the disciples were with Jesus and the storm came up and they were fearing for their life. What did they say? Lord, save us, we're perishing. And uh, there's a quote by uh, Charles Spurgeon Christian prayers are measured by weight and not by length. Many of the most prevailing prayers have been short as they were strong. So uh, just like I just said, you know, uh, Peter's walking on water. He starts to fall. Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately stretches out his hand and saves him. So don't pray to be seen by people. Don't think that by using a lot of words in a time of prayer that God is going to hear you because you use a lot of words. Um, and when we were in Ukraine, it was common for people to come in and say at the time of the prayer meeting, oh, my family member is in the hospital. Can we pray for them? And of course we'll pray. But then what they start to do is they say, Lord, you know that they're in this hospital. And they give the name of the hospital. They're on the second floor, uh, down on the left side in room 323. And uh, like giving all of the details, well, God already knows all that. And so we can just say, Lord, uh, you know, Sergey, he's in the hospital. Uh, we pray for mercy. I, I met a guy named Sergey a couple days ago, so that name popped into my mind. But... Um, we don't have to give God all the details, right? We're not informing God. We're aligning our heart with God's heart so that when we pray, um, we will experience his presence, but also experience his answers.
Um, in verse 8, it says, therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. Right. He knows everything. So we're just aligning our heart with him. And one important aspect about being able to pray is that we first have to be forgiven. And um, this is one of the conditions of answered prayer from Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities or your sins have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. So to be forgiven of our sin is like the doorway that opens up into the room where our prayer is heard and answered. You know, think about that. Um, you, most of the time, if the door is closed, you don't try to talk to a person in the other room. And being forgiven of our sin, it's the door that opens us up into the room where we can pray, having our prayers heard and answered by the Lord. Uh, it says, your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Um, I thought about this, to ignore the death and the resurrection of Jesus and to try to talk to God is to practice self-deception. Meaning, a person thinks, yeah, Jesus was a historical person, he died, but I don't believe that that's going to help me in my prayer. Well, that's deceiving yourself because it is his death and his resurrection that grants us access. You might remember at the time that he gave up his spirit, the earth was shaken and the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom, showing that there was now access through his death. And I tried to think of an example, like as an unbeliever, picture yourself, maybe you've seen those movies where there's a big bank safe, right? It has that big heavy door and you can stand up inside of the bank safe. Now picture inside of the bank safe, uh, the door is closed and there's a cross in the safe and on one of the nails there's a key, right, to open the door. You have to have access by going first to the cross. And as you do that, then you're opened up. You have freedom to ask and to receive. Um, but also there's another aspect. After we have received forgiveness, we must be willing to forgive. And this is mentioned by Jesus himself in chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. He says, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Um, and sometimes people get so upset with people that for a time they don't really care uh, how their attitude is before God. And it's like taking that key, throwing it down willingly, going back in and closing the door. Right. Um, it's kind of a, a silly thing for a believer to want to receive God's forgiveness, but then not to forgive in return. Um, and no one has hurt you the way that our sins have separated us from Jesus. No one has sinned against you in such a way as Jesus was sinned against and when he was taking our sins upon the cross. So if he was able to forgive us, even as he was being punished for our sin, 
we also must forgive. Some people like to ask, well, does that mean that if a person is unwilling to forgive that they're not saved? I just know that Jesus says, if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. God's nature is to be merciful and to forgive. And he wants to impart his nature in our hearts. And if you have a hard time forgiving somebody, talk to God about it. Uh, ask him to give you the strength. Um, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, verse 33, and I'll read 33 and 35. You should have compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you. Verse 35. So my heavenly father will also do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. And Jesus said in the same passage that we're reading um, in the prayer that he taught, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So there should be a corresponding relationship, right? You receive forgiveness and then you're willing to forgive. And if you feel like your prayers are not being answered, you might ask the Lord, Lord, try my mind, search my heart, show me if there's some hardness of heart or some lack of forgiveness uh, towards another person and ask him to give you the strength to live in a way that pleases him. So briefly, these are the conditions that we see in this passage. Um, there are other conditions such as honoring your spouse. Um, Peter mentions that, that if you don't, uh, the Lord's not going to hear your prayers. Jesus says that when we pray, we're to ask in faith. So what we have listed here is not the complete list. Uh, sincerity, humility, simplicity, trust to be forgiven and be willing to forgive. But it's what Jesus mentions in this passage. Now I want to uh, look at the prayer itself from Matthew chapter 6 and beginning in verse 9. Jesus says, in this manner, therefore, pray. So I see it both as a model of how to pray, but also as an actual prayer. Um, we shouldn't use this prayer as just a, a re repetitive phrase, but we should pray it and we should think about how we connect with God as we do pray. Now, as we're coming to the prayer, uh, let's uh, read together and pray together this prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The first aspect, I would say, if we're looking at it as a model for prayer, is recognition. Uh, Jesus says, pray our Father in heaven. So, especially in the scripture, the Father represents a provider and a protector, uh, that we look to him in heaven, uh, that reminds us that he is in control, he is on his throne, and also that our heavenly Father is perfect. In chapter 5, verse 48, it says, therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. So, um, 
we're to trust God knowing that he is a good father. And I think that in this category of recognition, let's say you feel overwhelmed about something, then you might remember another aspect of God's character, right? That he's all powerful. Um, sometimes people remember the names of God in Hebrew, like the Almighty One is El Shaddai. And so as you look to God, I think it's uh, fine people in the scripture uh, call him in different ways. And oftentimes it's correlating to their need. So, um, you know, it tells us in Second Corinthians chapter one that he is the father of compassion and the God of mercy. And so when you um, are going through a time of difficulty, you can say, Lord, I believe you're compassionate. And I just need your compassion, your help right now. The next aspect that we see, uh, as Jesus says, is adoration. Um, he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Uh, to hallow means to set apart or to recognize as holy. And it also has this consideration of to treat with respect um, so we remember that God is a good father and we're adoring and respecting his name, his character. Uh, we worship him and we refuse to use his name in vain. Um, where we were living previously, I was working with a youth and uh, many times they would say something like, and they were not talking to God, they would say something like, oh, Jesus. And I would say, he's here. <laughs> and they would kind of stop for a second. And um, it's so common and it's so unfortunate in our society that God's name sometimes is in replace of a curse word. And it shouldn't be that way. And, um, you know, we need to be careful not to use his name in vain. Um, if someone says, oh, my God, and they're not praying to God, you're basically using it in an empty way. Right. So ask God to make you more sensitive to that. And remember that when you look to him, you're to adore him. He is our creator. He is our loving father. And connected to that, the next aspect is submission. Um, it says in verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if you believe that God is a king, then he is over all. And it really shouldn't be difficult to submit to his will. Uh, sometimes people express they're upset with God. I myself don't really understand that because I believe that he is good and that his will is better than ours. And we talked about it before, but, you know, Job, when he started going through all of his times of loss, his financial loss, his loss within his family, his own sickness, his wife says, why don't you just curse God? And he says, hey, should we receive good from God and not trust him during the times when we receive uh, difficult things? So God understands what is best for us, and we should place his will over our will and desire his kingdom over our comfort on earth. I think a lot of times people get upset with God because they want something and they didn't get it. And they're kind of like uh, a rambunctious child, right? You didn't give me what I want, so I'm going to stop talking to you. Well, that's just immaturity. We're to put his kingdom over our comfort on earth. All around us, 
this society, especially in the United States, teaches us to live for our comfort. But we're to submit to God and to believe that his will is better than our will. And his kingdom is what we're to look for and not just to live for our own comfort. Uh, Jesus is our example in submission. Though he is one with the Father, when he was in the garden, he prayed, not as I will, but as you will. So uh, remember that. You know, it's a practical thing day by day. Lord, I think I'm going to do this. But if you have something different, you have the capacity to change my plan. And in this same category, um, when it says, give us this day our daily bread, uh, that's a petition, right? So as we submit to God, we also um, then bring our petitions to him. I guess we're kind of behind in the... Um, so in submission, we can bring our petition, give us this day our daily bread. Um, think of it this way. God is the creator, but he's also our heavenly father, and he delights to provide for his children. Um, Mary shared with me something that uh, she and I had prayed about. And when you get the answer, it brings us such joy, right? And praise the Lord that he wants to give us his joy as he answers prayers according to his will. Uh, there are believers in different countries who have to trust God day by day for their daily food. Um, we've been in some countries where it's like that, where the person literally doesn't have food in the pantry, and if they work, they have money to buy food. If not, they might not be eating. And um, we need to remember we're going to submit to God to ask Him because He is the true provider. Sometimes people have this attitude, well, I worked so I can spend this money however I want. Okay, well, who gave you the strength? Right? Uh, who gave you the access to that work? And, you know, a farmer might say, hey, I grew these plants. No, nope. if it wasn't for the sun and the right amount and the rain in the right amount, those plants wouldn't be growing. God is a true provider, and that's why we ask Him day by day. And um, Job said, I have not departed from the commandments of His lips, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. Uh, Jesus called himself the bread of life. So we need to remember, even if our pantry is full of food and we don't physically have to ask God for food each day, we need that spiritual strength. Um, and you might remember in the wilderness when the children of Israel left Egypt, God gave them the manna day by day. And it was an illustration that we have to receive from him. So maybe you received uh, physical bread, but you need to for, not to forget that we have to be edified by God, receiving from him day by day. The next aspect is restoration. So after we submit to God's will, we need to remember that we ourselves have to be restored to him. In verse 12, it says, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So asking God to forgive us, that's restoring us in a right relationship with him. And as we forgive our debtors, that's intercession. We're praying, Lord, that person is against me or that person hurt me, but I want you also to forgive them and I forgive them so that I can be restored with them. We remember from 1 John 1, 9, 
that as we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And three different times in Matthew chapter 18, uh, Jesus illustrated the importance of forgiving those who sin against us. And then in this prayer, if we're looking at it as a model, we also see protection. And that would be in the section from verse 13. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Uh, Temptation could be translated testing. Um, And so we're asking God to strengthen us from the temptations of this world that would be strong and not to test us more than we're able to endure. And also protection from the evil one. Um, It was maybe about a week ago and I was up in the middle of the night. I think it was around four in the morning. So I was making a cup of tea and I hear down the hallway someone dreaming, but you could hear the, the voice that they were in distress. And as I started walking down the hallway, I started to pray and I heard this, help me. And it was uh, Jamie in her bedroom and I waited again and she was uh, having a dream where she was being attacked. And I just opened the door and I stood there and I said, in Jesus' name, Lord, we ask for your protection. And sometimes we need to remember that uh, our minds are still active when we sleep and we need to ask for his protection before we sleep. When we lived in Nigeria, we would wake up to the sounds of gunshots and um, it affects your mind and it affects your rest, but also physically we needed his protection. Just before we moved there, uh, an American missionary, he had married a Nigerian and um, they moved to a place that they were advised not to move to because it was a rough section of town. And uh, thankfully he wasn't in the room because uh, he was white and they would have uh, broken in and beaten him until they got what they were expecting. But they had a gun come through the window. They had bars on the window, but a gun come through the window and said, you know, give us your um, mobile phones and your laptop computer. And there is a lot of evil around us. And this aspect of praying for God's protection is something that we need to remember. Uh, Some of you have driven with me. And you know, almost every time uh, I'll pray um, before we start driving. Well, we started that when we were missionaries because uh, we couldn't always read the signs. You could get lost. Um, When we were in Ukraine, the police would stop you and they wouldn't release you until you gave them a bribe and we didn't want that to happen. So we would just pray before we would start driving. And um, as is the case, you know, in some of the members here this week, Driving is a dangerous thing, and we need to pray and ask him to be involved in our life. So remember this part. Don't just live in your own strength. Ask God not to lead us into temptation and to deliver us from the evil one. And then the next aspect is exaltation. Uh, This is the last part in uh, this Bible translation. It continues to say, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So uh, some Bible translations uh, don't have that section. Uh, Luke's gospel doesn't, but Luke's gospel was 
the Lord giving instructions to the disciples at a different time than Matthew. They're not at an identical time in uh, the ministry of Jesus. And what I do um, when there's a passage of scripture that some people say might be added or might be missing in uh, different Greek texts is one way is you go back to the Greek fathers and you see if they quoted it um, earlier in history. So there was a a man who was the Archbishop of Constantinople, which is now called Istanbul. His name is John Chrysostom. And he served in ministry from 390 to 407. And he uh, did explanations of the scripture and he did literal um, application and interpretation. And in his um, homily, which is basically like they would read the the section of the scripture and then they would give insight, uh, number 19, he mentions this passage uh, that he had the Greek text um, and he doesn't talk about um, it as being controversial. So at that point in time, it was still not uh, an issue and people didn't uh, question it. And then the other thing is to see um, examples in the scripture where something similar is said or written. And David, when he prayed um, in First Chronicles 29, I'll read First Chronicles 29, verse 10 and 11. Therefore, David blessed the Lord before all the assembly. And David said, blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. So you can see that there are similar prayers in the scripture. And um, I would also encourage you, if you ever feel like you're struggling in prayer, uh, take a prayer in the Bible and use it as a way to express yourself to God. That's one of the things that I did when I first became a believer is I would use the prayers like here uh, from David or what we're reading from Jesus' instructions, and I would just use it as a way to express myself to God. So we see in review, there's recognizing who we're praying to, there's expressing adoration towards God, submitting to God and making our petitions, remembering that we need to be restored, and also uh, we can intercede for others, asking for God's protection, and then exalting or glorifying God for who he is. God wants to do a deeper work in each of our lives. And we can use this prayer both as a model and as an actual prayer to express our heart to God. Jesus said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Lord, we need your direction. We need your wisdom and instruction. And we just pray, teach us to be more devoted to you in prayer, to trust you in greater ways, and to see you answer our prayers and to bring joy.
Help us, Lord. We commit this time to you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.